It's December 12th, 1999, and it's dark in my family's living room in Southern California. The only real light is coming from a string of Christmas decorations on the deck outside. Inside, it's warm. It smells like saffron and cinnamon, and there's a soft glow emanating from the middle of the room. That's where I'm standing, with a tinsel crown and five electric candles strapped to my head. Behind the video camera, my mom gives a little nod. We're rolling. I'm five years old, and as I start walking deliberately across the room, you can see my intense focus in the way my little hands are tightly gripping a tray of saffron rolls. I'm wearing a loose-fitting white gown with long sleeves and a Peter Pan collar. The hem grazes the floor as I walk into the hallway. Little white socks poke out from the bottom with every step. And the song I'm singing is in Swedish. I know all the words by heart. Translated, then in our dark house. She walks with lit candles. St. Lucia. I'm Sarah Wyman, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. And today, I'm inviting you to join in a Swedish tradition that is hundreds of years old, Lucia Dagen, December 13th, Lucia Day. These days, it's a beautiful celebration of light, warmth, and music. But a couple hundred years ago, this holiday looked a lot different. Less ethereal figures carrying candles and singing, more trolls and witches wreaking havoc in the shadows. More after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites— along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave.
I guess the first thing you need to know about the holiday of Lucia is Sweden does not get a lot of light in winter. At minimum, it's getting dusky by 3 p.m. It's also pretty gray and cold outside, snowy or rainy, depending on where you live. And there are two ways of looking at this situation. One is, that sounds incredibly depressing. The other is, this is an incredible excuse to get as cozy as possible. And that is the spirit with which I think most of the country approaches Lucia. Lucia starts first thing in the morning, at home. The kids are supposed to wake up before their parents and get dressed in long, white gowns. The oldest girl usually plays the character of Lucia. She's the one who gets to wear candles in a crown on her head. Although, I will add here, my sister and I shared the role of Lucia, and our candles were battery-operated. Both of these things for safety reasons. Traditionally, the children are supposed to tiptoe to the kitchen together and load up a tray with lussekatter, these bright yellow saffron buns twisted into an S-shape, and gingerbread cookies. And then you start making the procession towards your parents' room while singing the traditional Lucia song together. Like I said, very cozy. And upon reflection... Possibly a very elaborate con to get breakfast in bed. Well played, Mom and Dad. But this is only the beginning of Lucia Day. At school, everyone participates in a whole nother Lucia procession. At a lot of schools, the classes will vote on who they want the school's Lucia to be. It's the closest thing Sweden's got to, like, a prom queen. Lucia is the only one who gets to wear candles on her head— Everyone else follows in a line behind her, holding their candles instead of wearing them. They're dressed as tärnor, or her handmaidens, with crowns made out of evergreen leaves or tinsel. There are also stjärngossar, or starboys, in the procession. They wear the same white gown as everyone else, but have this kind of dunce-cap-style white hat with gold stars glued on it. Believe it or not, this is not meant to be a form of ritual humiliation. Even if you're not in school or don't have young kids, it's pretty much impossible to make it through December 13th in Sweden without running into a Lucia train. Lots of workplaces will organize processions. Churches do it. In the past, whole communities would even elect their own Lucias and lead local celebrations. The big event, though is the National Lucia Broadcast. Every year, a different Swedish city is picked to host the broadcast. It airs at 7 a.m. on December 13th, Lucia Day, and lasts about an hour. And it's incredibly beautiful. It gives me goosebumps every time. This is one of my favorite broadcasts from recent years. It's from 2020, filmed in a tiny town in way northern Sweden, more than 100 miles north of the Arctic Circle. It's pitch black out. There's snow on the ground. 
And with every word Lucia and her tan were saying, you can see their breath mingling with the smoke from their candles in the freezing air. The whole thing feels very cozy and familiar and beautiful to me. But when I showed this video to one of my colleagues recently, he pointed out that to an outside observer, it could also seem a bit eerie. It's dark, and you've got these people walking in lines, wielding fire, singing these vaguely monastic-sounding chanty hymns. There's a kind of jumpiness in the shadows cast by the candlelight. I gotta say, if you look into the full history of Lucia, my coworker has a point. So the version of Lucia I grew up with, with the candles and the white dresses and the singing, that is linked to Saint Lucia, or Lucy of Syracuse. She's a Catholic saint whose feast day is also December 13th. As I got older, it did start to dawn on me that it was a bit weird that we were celebrating St. Lucy, because first of all, St. Lucy is Italian, not Swedish. But also, saints are a Catholic thing, and Sweden is very much not Catholic. The Church of Sweden has been Protestant since the 1500s, and Protestants just don't do the whole saint thing. It turns out that St. Lucy was superimposed on another, older Lucy. And that Lucy, or Lucia, belonged to the pagans. Apart from being St. Lucy's feast day, December 13th also used to be the winter solstice, or the darkest day of the year in Sweden, before it adopted the Gregorian calendar. And the pagan folklore attached to this day is not cozy. It is creepy as heck. Legend had it that on December 13th, supernatural forces would be at work. Animals could talk. Trolls would creep out from their hiding places. It was dangerous to be out in the darkness. And the figure of Lucia was not a beacon of light and hope. She was the architect of all of this wickedness. A witch whose name was not inspired by a saint, but by Lucifer. Some versions of the story say she used to fly through the night sky, accompanied by her handmaidens. One source I came across painted this terrifying picture of her journey. Lucia rides at the head of the storm, leading a train of damned souls, murderers, ghosts, and crying children who died unbaptized. So, different vibes. But still a great excuse for a party. Farmers would stay awake all night to look out for the safety of their property and animals. And while they held watch, they'd eat and they'd drink. Reading accounts of Lucia from before the 1700s reminds me a lot of Halloween. Raucous young people would go knocking door to door. They'd sing and get food and schnapps in return. Sometimes a man would dress up as the devil Lucia. After Sweden became Catholic, and even after it switched to Protestant in the 1500s, it's not a stretch to imagine that Christian priests in Sweden would not have been stoked about the popularity of this pagan holiday. But instead of banning Lucia, which, let's be honest, would only have made it more fun, they made an effort to, let's say, 
put the St. Lucia back in Lucia Day. They emphasized the links to light and holiness, and they gave the figure of Lucia herself a much bigger part in the celebration. By the late 1800s, official Lucia processions, led by beautiful women dressed in white and singing angelically, were being held in Stockholm. By the 1930s, this new version of the holiday had started to become popular nationwide. The fingerprints of both traditions, the pagan and the Catholic, are both still present in how we celebrate today. Lucia's attendance? Pagan. The melody we sing? Italian. Catholic. The saffron rolls? Swedish. The candles? Maybe all of the above. I didn't grow up in Sweden. I was raised by a Swedish mom in the United States. But for as long as I can remember, we celebrated Lucia every year. My mom dug up old videotapes for this story and watched me and my sister sing the Lucia song every year, a super niche time lapse of the two of us growing up. And as an adult, Lucia is still really special to me. In 2015, I was living in France and having a hard time making friends with French people my own age. I ended up stumbling upon this Swedish choir full of women at least twice or three times my age who'd moved from Sweden to France decades earlier. We would meet every Tuesday, starting in like October, to rehearse for our Lucia performance. But instead of traditional Lucia songs, we sang traditional Swedish drinking songs. And on the day of our performance, we wore the traditional white Lucia gowns, but with bright turquoise ribbons tied around our waists. So that, as one of my friends said before bursting into laughter, we'd look like a bunch of bottles of Aquavit on stage. I love that that story isn't completely unique. That while we were inventing our own way of celebrating this Swedish holiday in France, the same thing was probably happening in other communities around the world. It's a whole constellation of celebrations, a chain of light and song wrapping itself around the whole world, wherever Swedes are. If you're interested in celebrating Lucia this year, it's possible to watch the SVT or Sweden television broadcast online. Just Google SVT Lucia Moron, L-U-C-I-A-M-O-R-G-O-N, on December 13th. We'll also put a link in the show notes. And if you live in a major American city, it's also worth looking up whether your local Swedish consulate or branch of the Swedish church puts on a performance. Special thanks to my friend Madeline Thompson. She recorded my performance with the New York City Lucia Choir in 2019 at the Church of the Incarnation in Manhattan. That's what you're listening to right now and what you heard pieces of throughout the episode. And thanks also to my mom for everything. This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was edited by Gianna Palmer. 
John Delore. The production team includes Dylan Therese, Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire, Devin DeComo, Chica Okoye, Tracy Samuelson, Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. Our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Sarah Wyman. Claude Lucilla. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Roger that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure they are always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com.